What is up, everybody? You are listening to the Enlighten Me podcast, and I'm your host, Mackenzie. Welcome. You are currently listening to episode 75, and I'm so glad that you're here today. Before we dive in, I want to take a second to thank a sponsor who is helping to make the show possible. Today's show is made possible by Redeemed with Purpose Jewelry. Did you know that 40 million people live in slavery today, with 50% of the victims being children? Redeemed with Purpose exists to raise awareness on this fact and to empower consumers to make a difference through their shopping choices. When you purchase Redeemed, 50% of net proceeds are given away on your behalf to carefully chosen frontline charities devoted to redeeming lives. Use the link in the show notes to shop Redeemed with Purpose today and use the code MackenzieN for 15% off your purchase. That's MackenzieN, M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E-N for 15% off. All right, so today we are back with Jess Gartner to continue the conversation on all things Enneagram. Now, if you missed part one last week, let me tell you, you have to go listen to that one first. We talked about what the Enneagram is, its roots, and why it's such a helpful tool in people's lives. And we also started talking about the first three types of the Enneagram. Even if you don't think you are one of these numbers, it's important to listen to help you identify your type and so that you can learn about those around you. Today in part two, we're diving back in, starting with type four and covering all the rest of the numbers, which includes both Jess and I's types, so there will be a little extra discussion there. It was so fun to talk about and learn about all the different personalities, and not just my own, but those around me too. But I want you to bear in mind from last week what Jess shared, that it's not just about figuring out what your type is, it's thinking about what you can do with that information afterwards. Jess is going to give us some next steps that we can take and lots of amazing resources so we can learn more, and I truly believe this tool is something that can help you in all the relationships in your life, because let me tell you, I've already seen it do that for me. All the resources that Jess references today are listed in the show notes for you. You can view those on my website, heartfelthippie.com, or on whatever app you're currently using to listen. As you scroll through those notes, would you consider leaving a review for the show? Ratings and reviews help me so, so, so much. They help more people to find the show, they help people in need because I donate $2 for every review I receive, and they help me to feel good about myself, so please take a few minutes to write one. I would also love it if you'd share the show with friends. Share it with everyone you think needs to take the Enneagram test so that you can talk about your types together. You could also post online that you're listening and tag me and Jess, tell us what you're learning. We would love to hear from you and would love to know who's listening. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to the show so that you know when my next episode is available next week. All right, friends, here is part two of my conversation with Jess. Okay, so the four is the romantic individualist and the four's core fear is being an adequate, emotionally cut off, plain, mundane, defective, flawed, or being without significance. Their core desire is to be unique, special, and their authentic self. And again, we all want that to some degree, but for fours, this is their primary like motivator. And this mm-hmm. can deteriorate for them into kind of like self-indulgence where like they can get really caught up in their own emotions, their own feelings, and kind of really indulge in some of those not so great behaviors from time to time or emotions that mm-hmm. can kind of like linger. And so they really have to watch out for that at their best. They're incredibly authentic, very warm, compassionate people. They're introspective, creative. Typically they're drawn to the arts of, or some sort form of creative expression. And they're just really amazing individuals at their worst. However, they can become withdrawn They can have exaggerated moods because, again, they're really comfortable experiencing their emotions and also 
like expressing them. And so sometimes it can be like, I'm really happy. And then, oh, I'm really sad today. They can become depressed when they're not in a great place, self-pitying. They can be stubborn and also possessive when they're not doing so great. Hmm. When they're healthy, they're actually going to take on the great qualities of a type one. So you're going to see these like emotionally, oftentimes emotionally turbulent individuals, they're going to become more objective and principled. So they're going to have more even experience of their emotions, for example. Not that we ever want them to change. The fact that they're emotional is beautiful, but they're going to be able to sometimes take a step back from their emotions and and look at things more objectively. And they're going to become more disciplined and grounded in their day-to-day life when they're healthy. However, when they are not doing so great, they're actually going to take on the not so great qualities of a type two. So they might become over-involved and clingy in their relationships. They may Mm -hmm. resort to manipulation to get other people to love them, appreciate them, recognize them as unique, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And sometimes they'll get so over-involved in those relationships because they believe that like by kind of focusing on someone else's problems or, you know, relationship issues that they won't have to deal with their own. Mm-hmm. So that's what they will kind of look like when they're not doing so good. Hmm. Okay. That's our fours in a nutshell. Okay. Are they a unique breed? Because I feel like I that's the one number I'm like, I don't think I know anybody who's ever told me they're a four. Well, fours, I, I think many fours would love that you said that because they want <laughs> to be unique. They don't want to be the norm. They want to like walk into a room most of the time and be the only four because that's special to them, right? And they're searching for significance in their life. So Uh I would say most people will recognize a four in their life. But, you know, I know many fours are at least a handful of fours in my own personal life. I think you just, Uh they're not necessarily, well, (laughs) they are unique. I will say that. Um, (laughs) But there's probably more than you think out there. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Five is the investigative thinker. So five is my husband. I have a soft spot for fives. I know many, many fives in my life, uh-huh. but our fives, their uh-huh. core fear is annihilation and not, not annihilation, like physically being destroyed, <laughs> but it's more like energetic annihilation. They fear that one day they will just People will suck the life out of them, essentially, (laughs) by just wanting or needing their attention. Yeah. (laughs) They fear being ignorant, invaded. They fear being incapable um, or having obligations placed on them. They don't want anyone to expect them to be anywhere or do anything at any time. (laughs) Their core desire is to be capable and competent. And we all want that. But for our fives, it's going to deteriorate into this useless specialization. So they're the people, I always give this example because my husband is like the quintessential five. On his nightstand, he's got literally like a stack of 10 books and there are random things. It's like, Japanese woodworking and UX coding and design and like the Bible and then an Alexander Hamilton biography. And I'm like, what in the world? I'm just like, how on earth are you possibly interested in all these things? And for them, it's like this relentless pursuit of knowledge Uh and it can, it's like anything, anything that sparks their interest. And that's great, but sometimes it can be distracting for, for people to just constantly be chasing those rabbit holes. Sure. At their best, our fives are going to be analytical, they are persevering, they're incredibly sensitive, they're very wise because they spent a lot of time gathering knowledge and information. They're objective, perceptive, and very curious. Uh Um, At their worst, they actually can become intellectually arrogant. Like, I know, I know more about this than you do, and I'm going to tell you. Um, They can become stingy, especially with their presence. 
They can be stubborn, distant, critical of others, unassertive, and cynical. Okay. So fives have to watch out for that. When they are healthy, they're actually going to take on the positive qualities of a type eight. So they're going to become more self-confident, more decisive. They're going to be able to get in touch and active with their body. So our fives are so cerebral. They spend a lot of, they have a very active mind and they spend a lot of time thinking. And so when they're healthy, they're actually outside of their brain, if that makes sense. They've got to have a movement practice, our fives do, um, so they can get grounded. And they're going to be able to trust their instincts more and become more assertive. Now, when they are not doing that great, they're going to take on the not so great qualities of a type seven. So they can become hyperactive, scattered with their attention. Um, They can take on new projects impulsively and become unfocused and distracted. And so that's when you'll see they're just maybe starting to learn about something, but never fully understanding the concept, switching gears often, never finishing a book or like, you know, whatever they're chasing after. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. One of my friends, (laughs) this is bad, but but one of my friends is like, yeah, five, this is the asshole type. (laughs) I know. I was like, that's sad. (laughs) I think they're so misunderstood. Yeah. What they are is, so it's likened as If we all wake up every morning with a fully charged battery, meaning like we have the capacity to face our day with 100% energy and like people Mm -hmm. do all the things and at the end of the day, our battery is like down back zero and then we recharge and we can face the day again, fives are going to wake up with like 5% capacity for people. (laughs) It has nothing Uh to do with the fact that they don't like people and everything to do, they just the energy to them is really draining. They value fewer, typically they value fewer relationships that are much deeper. Uh And so they're not ones to chit chat. Small talk is like their worst nightmare. They want to like cut straight to it, (laughs) get to know you and figure out if you're someone that's worth their limited energy to invest in. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. So are a lot of fives introverted then? I mean, I know you could be an introvert like with any of these numbers kind of, but yeah. Or a lot of fives tend to be introverted, like get their energy just just from being by themselves. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, of course there are extroverted fives, yeah. I think, but I would say on a whole, you're probably going to see a lot more introverted fives, a yeah. lot more. Yeah. So they're not assholes, I would say. I yeah. think they're just, I, and here's the thing about fives, like when you make it into their inner circle, it's like. You almost feel like honored because you're like, wow, this person who is very selective with who they are going to devote their time and energy to has chosen me. How special am I? Like, this is so great. So that's another thing. You may have to work a little bit harder for their affection. But once you're Mm -hmm. there, you know that they're you're very important to them. Yeah, totally. Now, okay, let me ask you, since you're a podcaster, do you ever listen to the podcast? I don't think so. I don't think I've ever heard of it. Okay, you might like it. It's it's a podcast about pop culture. And I honestly don't really care about pop culture. I just think the hosts are hilarious. So I love to listen to it. <laughs> and they are, they're not a couple, but it's a guy and a girl and he's a five and she's a seven. And they talk about that sometimes. And he was talking about how he like hates the question, how are you? Which you said like fives hate small talk. <laughs> and he's like, it needs to be more specific. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you feeling about the fact that this movie is coming out? Like, like really specific questions. He's like, that I can answer. But like, when you just say, how are you? Like, I don't know how to answer that. And like, how am I about what? <laughs> that is so true. 
That is like the worst because again, it's like, okay, do you like for a five, it's like, do you really want to know? And like, how much time do we have? Like, I need to figure out like exactly (laughs) what you're asking me. Or is this just another like, oh, how are you? And I'm supposed to say, I'm good. Thank you. Like, that's just not the way they roll, you know? So that's really funny. That's a cool insight. Yeah. Okay. So we're wrapping up on the last four, right? Six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Last four. So six is the loyal guardian. And their core fear is fear itself, being without support or guidance, being alone, blamed, targeted, or physically abandoned. And their core desire is to have security, guidance, and support. And again, we all want that. But for our sixes, this deteriorates into an attachment to beliefs. And so they can get so entrenched into a belief system because they're seeking that support and that kind of team feeling of like, I belong to a group that it, when maybe that belief is challenged or they're challenged to think in a new way, it can be really hard for them to disassociate. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. At their best, they're so loyal, incredibly likable. They're prepared. We're really prepared. Our sixes are prepared for pretty much everything. They're trustworthy. They're compassionate. They're, they have this like cool, witty, like sense of humor, they're practical, supportive, and responsible. And when they are not doing so great, you're going to see them become hypervigilant. So constantly scanning or waiting for like the next, the thing to happen, something bad's going to happen. Like they're very, very vigilant about that. They can become dependent on that group or people within it. They can be unpredictable, judgmental. They can become paranoid, defensive, self-defeating, and self-doubting. Okay, so that's what our sixes will look like when they're not doing so great. When they're healthy, they're actually going to take on the really positive qualities of a type nine. So you're going to see kind of our anxious six become more relaxed, more optimistic, able to look at the bright side versus like what could go wrong. Uh They're going to be able to empathize with other people and they're going to take life less seriously and it's going to free up their energy. You're going to see them just noticeably be able to relax into themselves when they are stressed, however, they're going to take on the not so great qualities of a type three. So they're going to become more competitive. They can become arrogant. They can try to avoid their anxiety by becoming busy and really make the like master to-do list makers. And they'll just do everything from the big things down to the mundane. And they'll just be constantly moving because if they pause, then they're going to have to like address their anxiety. So you're going to see them really, really like flying all over the place. Mm -hmm. And they can also be reluctant to try anything new if they think failure is a possibility. So because they're going to think through the decision and if they think it's not going to work out, instead of saying like, well, let's just give it a try and see what happens. They're going to be like, no, I'm not going to try it because it's highly likely that it will not be a good (laughs) result. So that's what you're (laughs) going to see with our sixes. Okay. And anecdotally, I've heard that there are a lot of a lot more sixes in the world than any other number, but I have never confirmed oh, okay. that. I think I've okay. I've worked with a variety of people, but anecdotally I've heard that there are more sixes in the world than other numbers. Interesting. I wonder if that's yeah. because like like one of the things that kind of stands out about a six is the struggle with fear, I guess. And I feel like <laughs> I feel like so many people can relate to that. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't I would have never described myself like that before, but now that I'm a mom, mm-hmm. I feel like I have so many tendencies that lean towards a six. Mm-hmm. And if you're a seven, you could have a six wing, a strong yeah. six wing. Yeah. And so that could really be a part of your journey yeah. and your personality. Yeah, totally. 
Okay, so now we're going to talk about sevens, and you think you're pretty sure. Scale of one to ten, are you? What are you thinking in terms of like how sure you are for being a seven? I mean, I feel like I did a test, and it told me I'm a seven. And I feel like everything I've ever heard about a seven confirms that. Mm -hmm. But I've never read a book, so I feel like I can't say I'm 100% sure. So I would say like eight out of ten. I'm I'm pretty sure. Cool. Well, let's dive in, and then you can kind of get some more information. Um, But our sevens are called the entertaining optimist. And their core fear is being deprived, trapped in emotional pain, limited, bored, or missing out on something exciting. And their core desire is to be happy, satisfied, and content. And I think we all want that for sure. Yeah. But for our sevens, this deteriorates into what we call frenetic escapism, meaning like if they're not happy, satisfied, and content with what they're doing, they may quickly like search for the next thing that's going to give them that feeling. And Mm -hmm. so it can kind of look like all their life they've kind of tried different things, searching for the thing that's going to make them happy. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. My husband always says I have grass is always greener disease or something like that. Like I was like, <laughs> okay, well maybe maybe if we move to this state, maybe we would really like that. It's like I'm always down to try the next thing or invest our money into this thing or that thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And our sevens, I mean, I think generally, again, there's so much nuance within a seven, but generally they're pretty free spirits. They're they're usually like silver linings type people. They can turn even a a poor decision into like, oh, that was actually, I know that like we lost, you know, all of our life savings, but (laughs) didn't we learn something fun from that experience? Uh And so they can really turn any situation into a positive one, which can be good, but can also be hard for them because they really don't oftentimes like addressing the negative. Um, And so a really healthy seven is someone who is able to do that. Therapy is also sometimes can be a really key thing for our sevens in a safe space where they can explore feelings that are hard um, because they'll have a tendency otherwise to avoid them, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. So at our at their best, though, sevens are going to be fun-loving, spontaneous, imaginative, productive, enthusiastic. They have lots of energy, usually. They're very quick-minded, confident, charming, and curious. So they're fun. They're usually fun to be around when they're really healthy. At their worst, they can become self-focused, impulsive. They can be escapist, meaning like, well, let's just ditch that because it's not fun anymore and do something else. Um, they can be rebellious, distracted because they're constantly like thinking about the next thing. They can uh-huh. be self-destructive in some ways and restless, kind of like have that itch to do something different or new or move or go on a trip, which is fun until it's not allowing them to be present with their current situation. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. And then when they're healthy, you're actually – it's so interesting because all the the health arrows, the numbers, they usually go to an, a different number that feels almost like the polar opposite of what that number is. And really what it's doing is it's creating balance within that personality. So our sevens are going to take on the positive qualities of a type five. And so they're going to become uh-huh. more profound, more focused on what's in front of them. They're going to have more value and wisdom and discipline in their life. And they're going to become more accepting of all of life, the good, the bad, the happy, the sad, all of it. They're going to be able to experience life fully, not just the positive emotions. Uh And when they are not doing so good, they're actually going to take on the not so great qualities of a type one. So you're going to see our kind of free spirited seven start to become more perfectionistic, more critical of themselves and others. And sometimes they can use that criticism as a way to change people. 
They want people to kind of like bend to their will. And sometimes you'll even hear our sevens when they're not in a great place, start blaming others for preventing their fun or squashing their dreams or being a wet blanket. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, let's mm-hmm. go to, you know, let's move to Nicaragua or whatever. And maybe yeah. their partner's like, um, I don't know if we can do that. Or maybe that's not this, yeah. the best idea. <laughs> when a seven's not in a good place, they're going to become resentful. Like you're squashing my dreams, essentially. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do you feel like that resonates with you still? Being a seven? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because I always thought I had some kind of three in me. I feel like I can Mm -hmm. understand the like achiever mentality, but I I also see how Mm -hmm. that can also just be like a negative or an unhealthy habit for a seven, I guess, is like just wanting to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. that I'm chasing success. It's just that I'm like always looking for the next thing to bring me happiness. Yeah. And I think we're sevens and threes actually commonly mistype. And I think it's this energy. It's that energy that you're describing. Like they're so capable. Uh, I let they, if fives have like 10% energy for people, sevens have like typically like 120% energy yeah. to like face the day. <laughs> they're like, wake, they're like up and at them, ready to go. And so do threes. Uh-huh. And so I think sometimes that can be, it can be confusing. Sure. Right. But I think you're right. There's that quintessential difference about the chasing after the success versus just being really excited to try new things yeah yeah absolutely no yeah that's so interesting and it's funny that like you were saying that the seven points to the five in a healthy space because yeah that number seems so different for me but at the same time it's like yeah when I am in a healthy space I am actually focused on what I'm doing and I can I can accomplish something (laughs) rather than Mm -hmm. like just constantly moving on from this to that and not really dealing with the emotions of whatever's going on Absolutely. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to be balanced in such a way. So, okay. Two more numbers. We've got eight, which is the protective challenger. Eights are also, I think, misunderstood. Fives and eights. And they're connected, actually. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. But our, our eights, their core fear is being weak, powerless, harmed, controlled, manipulated, or at the mercy of injustice. Hmm. Okay. So that's, that's their fear. And their core desire is to protect themselves. That's it. Like they core desire is to protect themselves. Obviously, all of us want to protect ourselves. No one wants to be just vulnerable to hurt or betrayal. But for our eights, this can deteriorate into constant fighting and conflicts. And they do this so that kind of like they want to know where they stand at all times. And they're going to push you to to if you're not being honest with them or they feel like you're not being authentic they're going to push you to the place where they will feel like they got the truth. And sometimes that looks like fighting and sometimes that looks like conflict, but to an eight, it's not really conflict. It's just how they move through the world. So, and they can also, if they fear that they're going to be betrayed, sometimes they're going to just, they're going to shut you out first or like enter into that conflict first so that they're not the ones that are being betrayed in the end. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I have a friend that's at eight and it's funny because she like, I feel like she's very confident in herself and Mm -hmm. yet she, I don't know, I feel like she's like one of the least easily offendable people, but maybe it's Mm -hmm. like because she's just really good at protecting herself. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Am I understanding that right? Yeah, she's, uh, eights are pretty not easily offendable yeah. because they have just a strong sense of self. Yeah. They're very confident and direct and they 
actually value direct communication back. So yeah. whereas someone might view the way that an eight speaks as like confrontational, uh-huh. to an eight, it's just it's being direct, yeah. right? And so they actually value when they see someone else being direct with them. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. And they value the truth. They value honesty because they feel like if someone's not being honest, it's like sneaky and gross. Mm -hmm. And so even if you give them some direct feedback, they're usually okay with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're like, okay, at least I know where you stand. Yeah. (laughs) At their best, they're actually incredibly kind-hearted, which is why I say Mm -hmm. sometimes they can be misunderstood because on the outside, they, they may put forth a very tough, I don't need you. I don't need anyone exterior, but when they're healthy, they're actually very compassionate, very inspiring. They can be direct, very resilient and loyal people. So you may have a hard time getting into the inner circle of an eight, but once you're there, their protection is extended to you. Like the protection Mm -hmm. that they they say for themselves, you are now like in their circle of trust, right? So if someone does Mm -hmm. you harm or threatens you, they're like the first people are like, oh, I don't think so. (laughs) And so they're very loyal. They're energetic. They're very empowering, protective, and self-confident when they're healthy. Mm -hmm. When they're not so healthy, they're actually, they can be loud. They can be vengeful excessive, controlling, rebellious, especially against authority. They can be insensitive, domineering, self-centered, and very skeptical. Hmm. So that's kind of where they are good for better or for worse. And when they are healthy, they actually take on the positive qualities of a two. Again, it looks like two different, two different people are, we've got our eights who are tough. And then you've got our twos who are like gooey, warm, centers, right? But when you bring them together, you see this balance overcome the eight and they're going to become more open-hearted and caring. They're going to be able to open up to other people and reveal their vulnerability. And that's very hard for our eights to do because again, they don't want to be perceived as weak and vulnerability can sometimes be seen as a weakness to them, but they're going to be able to be more empathetic and compassionate towards other people. That's when you see a really healthy eight take on those positive qualities of a two when they are not so great not doing so hot, they're actually going to take on the not so great qualities of a type five. So they're going to become more secretive and fearful. They may become less in touch with their feelings and withdraw from other people as a protective mechanism. And they ultimately might start really becoming obsessed with this idea that other people are going to turn on them and betray them. Hmm. And so that is what they're going to look like when they're not doing so hot. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So last but not, certainly not least, I'm a type nine, so I know how hard it is. It can be for us to wait until the end of everything to describe ourselves. So our nines are the peaceful mediators. And our nines oftentimes have the most difficulty typing themselves because they're very empathetic. They actually see all sides of every of every story, typically. And so they might, our nines might have been listening this whole time and been like, I can relate to that. I can really relate to that. I can see that. I can totally understand that. And so they might, like I said, have a hard time identifying themselves because they relate so frequently to other people. Their core fear is being in conflict, loveless, shut out, discordant, overlooked, or inharmonious. And their core desire is to have inner stability and peace of mind. And we all want that. But for our nines, it's like the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. And they're constantly, everything they do is driven, is driving them towards that. And it can deteriorate into what we call stubborn neglectfulness, where they really just fall asleep to themselves because they, they do what we call go along to get along. So like, even if they don't want to do something, they're probably going to say yes, oftentimes, because to say no would mean they're disrupting the peace. 
they're creating conflict, at least mm-hmm. in their mind. Um, if they express themselves or their opinions and it offends someone else, that's the worst thing that they can think of. So they're just going to keep that information to themselves. And over time, they start to lose track of who they are. That's kind of like the thing that they really struggle with. Mm-hmm. And so at their best, they're really pleasant, peaceful people. They're generous. They're patient. They're very accepting of other others and different ways of thinking. They're very diplomatic, open-minded, and empathic. They really can sense like other people's emotions as well. At their worst, they can become spaced out, forgetful, stubborn, obsessive, resigned. They can be passive aggressive because they're not going to get outwardly angry because that could be conflict, but they're going to take the passive aggressive <laughs> route. They're, they can be judgmental and really unassertive when they're not doing so great. Mm. When they're healthy, they take on the positive qualities of a type three. So you're going to see these kind of like go with the flow of nines who maybe you're just like going along, they're going to start to become more self-developing, more energetic. They're going to be able to pursue passions and projects and goals really energetically. And they're going to learn that that peace that they're looking for really only comes, true peace comes when you show up as yourself um, and kind of allow yourself to be regardless of what other people think of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're going to be able to do that when they're healthy. When they're not so healthy, they're actually going to take on the not so great qualities of a type six. So you're going to see them become more anxious, more worried. They might become more testy and defensive. Um, And their mind might start racing with this like internal anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not fun. If you're a nine out yeah. there, I know how you feel. But that's what you're going to see when they're not doing so great. Uh-huh. So that's our nine numbers. I know that's a lot. Yeah. I just threw at y'all. But what do you think? <laughs> no, I think that was a great explanation. Now, I'm curious, what did you say you thought you were before you realized you were a nine? I thought it was a three. Okay, which connects. Yeah. Yeah, which connects. It turns out I was just in a really healthy place when I took the test and I was pursuing a lot of things. I tapped into that energy, Mm -hmm. but the core fear and the core desire did not resonate with me of a three. And I was just like very confused by that. But then when I started to read about the nine, I was like, whoa, this is me. (laughs) I hate conflict. And I would say most threes, though they may not like love conflict, they're generally not afraid to like express their opinion or say what they think or enter into like necessary conflict, quote unquote. Whereas like me, I just rather, I just rather die sometimes (laughs) than like, than argue. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) No, that's so interesting. That was, yeah, no, that was a really great explanation. And I think people's wheels are probably turning, like trying to figure out like, okay, which one am I? So what are your favorite resources to point people to if they want to know more or really for sure figure out their numbers? Like what's your favorite book on Enneagram or whatever other resources you like? Yeah, I love The Road Back to You. I mentioned that in the beginning. Yeah. I think it's really easily digestible. There is a faith-based component to it. So, But I still feel like even if that's not your thing, the faith-based side of it, it's still probably the easiest book to read in general sure. about like what the Enneagram is. Yeah. I love, um, I think it's called the honest Enneagram. It's by, um, the gal who ran the Enneagram and coffee Instagram handle. Oh yeah. She also has a a podcast called Enneagram and coffee. Yeah. And that is a really great resource. I love Enneagram Ashton. She does like these beautiful doodles that really describes like, I mean, she does different like series on the Enneagram, Uh different numbers. Um, She's a great resource. I like nine types co for like real educational Instagrammable like content 
And then, gosh, there's so many other podcasts, but I love um, That Sounds Fun. Have you heard of Annie Downs? Yeah, yeah, I've heard of that podcast. Yeah, so she's a seven. And I actually chuckled because you said something, you said literally earlier, like, that sounds fun. (laughs) And I was laughing because she's an Enneagram seven. And she has a podcast (laughs) called That Sounds Fun. And she does this Ennea summer series. I think she's done it for the last like two or three years. But they interview like a male and a female of each number. And they kind of like describe what it's like to be that number and they have she's worked with a a band or a musician who's created a song for each Enneagram type that's so beautiful um and so those are also really fun episodes to dive into yeah oh cool okay those are a bunch of great resources so I guess my other big question for you is now that people might have an idea of what type they are we talked a lot at the beginning of like how this can help you in your self-awareness and in your relationships I guess my question is like how exactly do you think this helps people like what do you recommend people do once they figure out what their type is like you mentioned okay, here's, you know, each type has, like, a negative tendency to do this or whatever. And so, like, how are you supposed to watch out for that? And what what do you, I guess, what do you do to make sure you're not in that unhealthy space? Yeah, I think it's, it, it all goes back to self-awareness, right? Like, uh-huh. you can't look out for or be on the lookout for what you don't know about yourself. And so I liken it to like rumble strips on the road. So, you know, you're driving along and maybe you get distracted or your attention gets directed elsewhere or you fall asleep or you're changing the channel, whatever. Um, You'll hit those rumble strips on the side of the road and it'll kind of like wake you up and be like, hey, you're going off course course correct like get back on track and so I liken the Enneagram to those rumble strips like when you actually discover who you are you start to see the behaviors that you engage in when you're not doing so great and also the ones that you engage in when you are in a healthy place Mm -hmm. you'll start to be able to see those as they're happening Mm -hmm. and my hope is that with that information instead of just continuing down that pathway over and over and over again you'll be able to recognize for instance for me like I know when I'm not in a good place all I want to do is literally sit on the couch and have no one talk to me I don't want anyone to ask me to do anything I don't want to make a decision I like watch Netflix for like eight hours straight because I want to numb out. And now I can see that for what it is like, okay, I'll, I'll give myself like, you know, a day or two to just do what I need to do. But at the end of the day, I'll be like, okay, this is a sign. Something's not right. Like, what are we going to do about it? And so then you can start to pull on the other tools that you have. And so sometimes that's therapy. Sometimes that's taking a walk. Maybe it's getting back into an exercise routine or seeking out a friend or journaling. Everyone's got their toolbox of self-care items. Yeah. And so you'll just be able to see that earlier on and start to course correct before it gets too late. Does that make sense? No. Yeah, it totally does. And like you said, like, I'm a huge advocate for counseling, and I know you mentioned that when we were talking about sevens, and I'm I'm not ashamed to say, like, I'm in counseling right now, and I do counseling all mm-hmm. the time, like, because I, I think mm-hmm. it's something that everybody should do, honestly, like, even if you feel like you are in a good place, like, do it to prevent you from going to a bad place, but I think even for me, it's funny because I never really recognized, like, the emotions thing about myself, but you were mm-hmm. even saying it where, like, dealing with negative emotions can be really hard for a type seven. And it's so true. And it's something that I 
never knew until people were talking about the Enneagram and like, you know, things with type sevens. And, and it's something that like, even my husband has noticed, like, when we're talking about death, I get really uncomfortable and I smile a lot. And I'm like, okay, can we move on to a different subject now? And it's like, you know, I want to be able to be a grown up and talk about death and not feel super awkward or whatever. And so that's Mm -hmm. something that I'm talking about with my counselor. So I think even that too, I just wanted to say that just to be super vulnerable that like counseling is also great. <laughs> it is. It really is. And, you know, I will say like there, I've been in counseling in different times in my life. And sometimes it's just like, you know, we'll be in it very consistently. And sometimes I'm just like, okay, I need to get back for a session to just like get recentered, yeah. to get some outside perspective, some different tools to add to my toolbox to like deal with life, you know, because life is up and down and, and there's no shame in that for sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm proud of you because for sevens, that can be really hard and and you're doing it yeah like you're doing the thing yeah you're you're growing well thank you yeah that well that makes me wonder are there any types that besides sevens that do struggle with counseling like have you noticed that's a pattern with any certain types I mean I haven't directly like seen that in practice but I would Uh get I could take an an educated guess sevens (laughs) might have a hard time Uh eights and it's more so to be vulnerable with someone yeah. Is is a, is definitely a process for them. They have to really really trust someone to yeah. do that. Fives as well because again, it's like they can have like emotional hangovers after like sharing a lot <laughs> with someone, especially yeah. a stranger. Essentially, let's just let me threes maybe. Okay. Only because the process of self-discovery for a three can be hard because like I mentioned before, they wear so many different masks. Like they're the chameleons of the Enneagram essentially. Like sometimes that process of getting down to like who they are at their core outside of their achievements can be Uh very difficult for them. It's not that they wouldn't want to start in that process, but it can be a much longer, sometimes harder process for our threes. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay, cool. Well, before I move on to like my fun questions for you, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you feel like people need to know before they dive into more learning about the Enneagram? I mean, I think we hit all of the main things, but I just want, I also want to say like, really my hope is that you really view the Enneagram through the lens of compassion for yourself And for other people, and I just love this quote, that the Enneagram is a tool that awakens our compassion for people just as they are, not the people we wish they would be. So you can meet people where they're at and extend that compassion and empathy to them at any point. And again, it's not an excuse for bad behavior. It's not saying like, oh, that's just me. I'm an Enneagram 8, and so I can't change. (laughs) Um, In fact, I would argue the opposite because once you start to really learn about yourself and see the things that you do when you're healthy and unhealthy. It's almost like you don't have an excuse. You don't have an excuse for bad behavior because you know, like you know what you do. Um, And so, yeah, my hope is really that it just becomes a tool for compassion in in your life for yourself and other people. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Okay. So I just have a few fun wrap up questions for you. And the first is what's the most impactful book that you've read? And I know you've already shared some Enneagram books with us, but are there any others, whether they're Enneagram or totally unrelated? Oh my gosh. I've been reading so much lately. That's awesome. I'm trying to think. I'm like looking at my bookshelf right now. Oh, I will share. <laughs> so the most impactful book that I've read recently is this book called How to Break Up with Your Phone. Okay. And I had a self-proclaimed phone addiction, social Mm -hmm. media addiction, 
And I have known that for quite some time, but I've never been actually ready to like do anything about it. And so this book kind of presented it. I purchased it on Amazon at the beginning of the year and I just kind of had it on my shelf and I started to dive into it and I ended up doing the full, it's like a 30 day kind of guided experiments to like kind of evaluate your relationship with your phone and kind of redefine it. And it's been life changing. So it's, it's been very, very impactful personally. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. I saw you posted. I took a break from Instagram and I'm kind of back, but like not not going to be back the same ways that I was, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And that's been going yeah. good. And it's it's a work in progress, obviously, because phones yeah. are addic- addictive and they're designed to be like, you yeah. know, so it's constantly having to evaluate that on a day-to-day basis. But I have a lot more tools than I used yeah. to. Yeah, that's great. That's probably something that we could all stand to read. So yeah. good to know. Yeah. How about something that you've listened to or watched recently that you think everybody should hear? Podcast, documentary, anything like that? Mm. Well, gosh, there's so many. I watch a lot of like teen rom-coms, so I'm not going to tell anyone <laughs> that they should go <laughs> listen or watch teen rom-coms unless they really just want to disassociate from life. But I, I listened to recently a podcast about the Enneagram and trauma and like little little t trauma not big t trauma was the way they described it but it was on your enneagram coach podcast and they had a therapist on there that they were kind of walking through like the kind of cultural experience of trauma and how each of the numbers kind of respond to that and i just thought it was so intriguing yeah because i feel like it's very applicable i feel like this last year again little t trauma we're not talking about like ptsd or anything like that but like the experience of 2020 and even in 2021 has been a lot of collective little t trauma i think so it was very cool to, to dive into that Hmm. Oh, yeah, that would be really interesting even just to think about how the last year impacted you based off of your number. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. and that's like that whole conversation was was really intriguing. Oh, OK. Good to know. Yeah. What about a brand or product that you're loving lately? Oh, brand or product that I'm loving lately. I mean, I know you love Beauty Counter. <laughs> I do. I mean, I love that daily all the yeah. time. It really has like saved my skin in more more ways than one. Yeah. But outside of that, you know what I've been we've been loving is we got this thing called a solo stove and it was a family Christmas present. Um it's a fi- it's a smokeless fire pit and it's portable and you can take it with you like camping. We put it on our back porch, but it's just been really fun to use that with our family and just like have some fires while it's still (laughs) cold in Texas. Um, We actually used it the first, the day before the polar vortex kind of (laughs) happened. And we've just been really loving that. So check it out. Solo stove. It's, it's really cool. And you're not like a smoky hot mess afterwards. So that's also a bonus. Yeah, totally. Oh, that sounds really fun. I'm all about, like, things that can get you outdoors that are fun to do. So, fun. Cool. Okay. So, Jess, how can people find you if they want to talk to you more about Enneagram or listen to your podcast or just check out what you're doing online? What's the best way to connect with you? Yeah. So you can find me. I am slowly easing back into Instagram, trying to get some boundaries created around there, but I'm at jess.holdthespace on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I do have a blog um, and website and it's jessgertner, G-A-E-R-T-N-E-R.com. Write a lot of blog posts, just you know, food, lifestyle, recipes, beauty stuff, Enneagram stuff over there. And then you can find me at the podcast. I'm 
you know, share a lot of personal things on the podcast. And that's the Modern Mamas podcast. It's found on most, pretty much every podcast platform. And email. I really love email, especially since I've been off of Instagram for so like so heavily, I've been having a lot of cool yeah. conversations via email and like through my newsletter and stuff. And that email is okay. jess at jessgertner.com. Perfect. All right. That's awesome. Well, just thanks so much for your time. I loved learning from you today. And yeah, this is such a fun topic and something that obviously everyone can relate to if they're willing to put in the time to figure out their type and Yeah, I think it's a really cool tool to help people with, like you said, self-awareness and in relationships. So thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. Absolutely. So happy to be here. And uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. So what next? Do you need to take the test or do you need to do some reading to confirm your type? Maybe there's some more podcasts you should check out so you can keep learning about the Enneagram. Or hey, maybe it's something to chat about with your partner or your counselor or whoever it is. I'm doing all of those things personally, and I'm excited to keep learning about myself and seeing how that impacts the relationships in my life. I hope you enjoyed having Jess on the show as much as I did. And like she said, don't be afraid to reach out to her with any follow-up questions you have. I know she would love to hear from you, and so would I. The links to connect with her and me are in the show notes. All the resources she suggested today are there too, along with the link to shop Redeemed with Purpose jewelry, so make sure you check that out. Don't forget about leaving a rating and a review for the show while you're over there, and also subscribing. Subscribing is so important so that you can easily find my show again in the future, and also so that you know when new episodes are available. New episodes air every Thursday, and I also do Enlighten Me mini episodes at the beginning of every month, so when you subscribe, you will get notified whenever there is something new available. All you have to do is click the subscribe button. It's free and it's easy to do, just like the staples button, that was easy. Just one click and you're done. All right, friends, until next time, remember to have compassion for yourself and for others on this journey of self-discovery. Figure out your type and your toolbox of self-care items so that you can stay in a healthy place and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out. Remembering things I